Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Thanks. I don't need help. Just watch me love myself. That's all I want. Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about relationships, specifically our relationships. Yes. Today on the podcast, Claire and I are joined by two extra special guests, our partners. We told you guys that this would be coming. We're doing a little bonus episode here, and we asked you, our listeners, for some questions for our partners, Adam and Greg, and you really delivered. Yeah. Like, wow. Wow is the only word. I, What an onslaught <laughs> of great questions. So we are sitting here. I'm here with my husband, Greg, in our living room, and he is very excited to finally have his moment in the spotlight. I think Adam might be less excited, but we too are in my living room. We're all sharing mics So bear with us, guys. We are going to try to muddle through the technical side of this, but we're going to have some fun. This is going to be a treat, and we are so excited to welcome these, you know, podcast (laughs) noobs to the mic. Yes. Greg, thanks for joining us. Um, Thank you for having me. I would just note that this is actually my second appearance um, on your podcast, so I'm ready to roll. (laughs) That is actually true, Greg. Greg was an original guest, like back when we were all podcast noobs. I've never been invited before. We'll see if I ever get invited again. Well, welcome, Adam. We're very excited to have your Love to See It debut today. And we have a lot of questions for you guys, so I think we have to get started because there's a lot of ground to cover. Um, I think we have to start with some Bachelor questions because we all know that The Bachelor— um, can really affect relationships um, because it dominates our lives, Emma's and mine especially. So the first question, Adam and Greg, do you watch The Bachelor at all? Greg? 
Um, I, I have to admit, I've watched, I've watched less over the years, but certainly um, it was something when we first started dating at least, um, and then even when we moved in together that we watched a lot together. Um, I remember having a kind of really intense pride in correctly predicting who one of the, uh, one of the bachelors was gonna pick at the end of one of the seasons. Um, so a little bit less lately, but uh, it's certainly been a, you know, a big part of my life. I have to say my answer is a pretty solid no. Um, so when we first started, uh, dating, uh, I actually didn't know the bachelor was still on television. Like I, I definitely didn't know it was a thing. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't aware that it was like a cultural phenomenon or that there were podcasts or the, like anyone, I thought it was like survivor, like it was like a random show that like was just like still maybe on the air. Um, so when we, when we were first together, I did watch a bunch of episodes. It was like Hannah B season was just starting. So I watched enough to determine that, like, I, I don't think it's for me. Like, I know a lot about the the Luke P, like, situation that occurred over several weeks. Um, but I, that's sort of my, the full gamut of my experience. Yeah, I think that we were, we were doing Sean Lowe's season when Greg and I were sort of in the early swing of our relationship. And he did predict, over my objections, that Sean was going to pick Catherine over Lindsay. I remember this. Greg dined out on this correct prediction, like for years. And as you can see, he still is. It is a he still is. Pride. He still is. Uh, so I think that sort of fits perfectly into our next question, which is: Have you absorbed knowledge about The Bachelor just by osmosis, by you know being around us, people who know way too fucking much about this show? Adam, I think you. I think you have. Yeah, I mean, I definitely can identify some of the, like, the tropes, whether it's just from, like, hearing you record the podcast or, like, like we had a long car ride last summer um, where Emma was watching one of the episodes from Katie's season. So, like, I, I saw the whole, like, like, guy confesses his love, shares all his trauma, gets sent home, big situation happens. So, like, I, I'm familiar with that arc, which I think is, like, something that I can, you know, say I'm aware of, but I, that's... I don't, I don't get that in the weeds. We're just shedding bachelor tropes wherever we go, like radiation. Like it just is in the air around yeah. us. Yeah. It's toxic. Sorry. It is toxic. Um, yeah. No, I, I think what I get is kind of um, like not just the show or some, some parts of the show, but like the broader like kind of bachelor, like the ethnography of, of the whole like situation, like the, the whole kind of... Um, meeting of the show and the viewers your podcast and the listeners and the reactions and the way they all interact together and then of course um you know the kind of off-screen drama that we get from uh past contestants on instagram where they it seems spend every waking hour and you guys um claire and emma uh you know, track their their movements um, <laughs> with varying degrees of, of pleasure and pain. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of feel like I have like a different view of it, which is that, you know, the show is just one one part. What happens on the show, I should say, is just one part of, of my, what sounds like a really vast understanding, but is, is not. Yeah, Bachelor, being a Bachelor Nation is so much more than the show. It's me crying at 11 p.m. over something that you don't understand, and it does have to do with The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's extra trauma that that we experience that <laughs> they uh, have to experience <laughs> as well. I mean, I, I'm I, so I think sorry. I think the first of what 
probably be a number of like, you know, sports analogies, which is that, you know, what happens like, you know, in the game or on the field is only one small part of, of, you know, following a sport, right. you know, it's the, it's the pregame, it's the postgame. It's like what the athletes are doing and saying, you know, before and after uh, there's, you know, the behind the scenes drama in the locker room. So, I mean, you know, you, if you're really following something, um, you, you kind of need, need, you need it all for context. Yeah, when when we met, I don't think either of us realized that his whole emotional life would be structured by New York area professional sports teams and everything going on with them and and that his would be structured by everything going on in the emotional world of Bachelor Nation. So that's something that we that we get to enjoy balancing. You're both sports fans. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think we we got to move on to a very important question. Adam and Greg, if you were a contestant on The Bachelorette, what would your limo exits be? Hmm. It's definitely not a scenario I've planned before. Um, I feel like it would just be really understated. I don't think I would be able to pull off any sort of like, like an antic. I think I would just like show up, be really like calm, know that I'm like quickly going home. <laughs> um, just be f- fairly understated. If if not, like just like paying the limo driver to like take me back to the airport. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I'm going to maybe steal a little bit from you, Adam, there. I I think I'm going to go simple. Um, I think, like, I would just bring, like, one kind of maybe comically giant balloon with, like, the first letter of your name. And then so I would would emerge with that. I think that would be a pretty good representation of me. So I'm going to convey some information to to you because you're you're the bachelorette in this situation, correct, Claire? Of of course. (laughs) Why would you be trying to get another woman's attention? Moving along. um, So it would be this really big balloon. with a C on it and I would kind of emerge with it in but an otherwise like, you know, like a, like a nice fitting suit, like, you know, just, I, I would shower before and comb my hair. Um, and then, so we had this balloon and I think you'd get it, maybe a sense of my personality. And also I would get a sense of yours. Cause like, you know, that, that'd be a little weird and you'd have to, and then, then we'd kind of have like, you know, this shared problem to deal with, which is this huge balloon. It's like, who's going to hold it? Like, can it go inside? Like, oh, it's going to pop. Like, gonna- I didn't realize you were so balloon forward, Craig. This is giving me a lot of insight. I, I didn't either. It's funny that he says this. He's never given me a balloon. Wow. So I would be like a foreshadowing of things that weren't going to come in the relationship. But but I think that that is actually a smart ploy in, in the sense that it needs to be developed a little bit. I'm going to produce you here a little bit. I think that you would say maybe I'm going to hold on to this for you. And you're going to know where to find me because this is going to be right overhead, you know? That, that's a, a really good idea. I feel like you've been watching this show for many <laughs> years. Yeah, Adam, you you would at least, if you were going to go understated, would at least need to say, like, I'm, I'm feeling really, like, nervous to be here, but it's just, like, so nice to meet you. Like, you're the only reason that I would be here because normally I would never come on a show like this. Like, you'd have to make that that kind of play I, if you I were going go. understated. I, I would be like, I'm literally just here to make friends. Like, I gotta go. <laughs> Thank you. It's like whenever people ask us for our limo exits, me and Emma, we're just like, we don't want to be there. So, like, Right. Nothing, I guess. I would yeah. get so much anxiety there. Like, I don't, it wouldn't work for me. Yeah, all the big entrances are designed to keep you there longer, and that's not what we're going for. Um, let's get into some of the other tropes uh, on the show. What what role do you think each of you would fall into? You know, there's, like, the villain, the front runner, the comic relief, that maybe the person who narrates the show in their little in-the-moment interviews. Which of those appeals to you? You know, I think 
Claire will recognize this expression because I've, I've used it to describe myself usually in the context of when I played youth sports. But, um, you know, I, I said, you know, I'm kind of like, like a glue guy, which is, you know, kind of like, you know, keep, you know, kept the group together. Um, um, generally was, you know, friendly with, you know, my mom used to joke that I was always friendly with like the weirdest kids in class. And you know, I mean, she meant that like in a positive way about everybody to be clear. Um, <laughs> hey mom. Uh, so yeah, I think I think I would go in there. I, I, I mean, now I, as I've gotten older, I've you know kind of become grouchier. So like, I'm sure I would like kind of like find one or two people that I didn't like, um, and like not want to talk to them. But then I would find like a group, and and I feel like I would you know be friends. I think I'd be mostly pretty friendly actually. So you'd be the f- I am here to make friends guy. <laughs> I, I might not articulate it that way, but I think that would be the the ultimate effect. Yeah, he'd be like the house dad. Oh yeah, I can see it, Adam. What do you what do you think? So I don't know how you would describe this this person, but I've definitely seen like how do you what would you call the guy who's like kind of minds his own business, but then like when the drama erupts, um, is like then he gets involved and he like he's you know he's telling her. I think we call that the snitch. This the snitch, yeah. (laughs) But that sounds so negative. Like I I don't know. I feel like I've seen the snitch on. I don't remember who they were or what season, but like the snitch can be endearing. Mm -hmm. He's like he's sort of. I don't. I thought maybe that was like the narrator. He's like he's just explaining what occurred, and you know. Oh no, the calling narrator calling out the bad guy. Right. If you're doing it to the camera, then yes, the narrator for sure. Yeah, oh, of yeah, yeah. To the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, he would. He's he's saying he would be like behind the scenes, like stirring the pot a little, but not like overtly in the middle right. of the drama. Gotcha. Like I was like, wow, okay, so you wouldn't you wouldn't talk to anyone, but then you would go to the Bachelorette and be like, these guys are trouble. This is yeah. I, I've been taking notes. I have all the receipts <laughs> because I, knowing that I, you know, shortly I'll be going home, so like I have to make my debut and get the followers today. <laughs> So that feels like the most effective way, short of being like the. Ba- I don't think I would be like the, the troublemaker. I just I don't. No, I definitely don't really not. Care and I don't think I could do that. <sighs> yeah, the narrator is a good role. You're also not very aggro. That wouldn't work for you. Although sometimes people become villains just by not wanting to hang out with everyone in the house. So you just have to hope for a bigger villain on your season, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be more of a a lone wolf, quiet shitster. <laughs> Uh, here's a question. What is the most subtle but obnoxious way The Bachelor has impacted your daily life, Greg and Adam? So, so it has to be subtle. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, That's pretty savage. I, 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 I think the, the thing would be, again, I'm, I, I'm coming at it from kind of the context of, of your guys' podcasts is that, you know, every now and then, you know, I'll be talking to Claire and, and as I say this I, I'm thinking of what she's going to respond with I'm not she's not alone in doing this I do this in my own my own context but you know she, she might kind of drop off from a conversation or just drop off generally and and then I'll I'll, I'll turn to her and she'll be you know just, you know scrolling through her phone something and I'll be like hey you know what's going on and, and then she'll start to like explain you know that you know she's reading she's watching an Instagram story or or reading a post that is like you just cannot believe <laughs> And, um, and there, there is an uproar and, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, the the bachelor has a way of kind of, um, you know, not so much knocking on the door of our, of our, you know, lives as, as barging through like the Kool-Aid, the guy through the wall and, and then just disappearing as quickly. Yeah, totally. I'm co-signing this. Like we, this is an issue because like, it's not just the bachelor. It's just like the whole, like the whole enterprise of like, like the pod and the, the, the shows and the bachelor, I guess it's generally the bachelor, but like 
anytime Emma is like on Instagram or whatever platform the kids use these days, like she says it's work, which like I, I hear you, like largely <laughs> it is work. Like this is the livelihood. It's 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 legit, but like it's not work at like 10 p.m. When Sometimes it's like not, it is. No, it's not. It's like not in the breaking news industry. You know. <laughs> no, she's watching like a clean talk. And like, like uh, this like a Hill House thing, and then like <laughs> well, telling me that like, bachelor. sorry, I didn't listen to anything you said in the last forty five minutes. Like I've been like doom scrolling. <laughs> it's like just admit, like like I'm not interested in what you're saying. I'm scrolling. That's fine. Like I would say that to you. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm working. Like you're not working. It's just so hard on TikTok because like first year watching a TikTok where like Lindsay is really spilling the tea and then you look up and 45 minutes have passed and you're watching a woman reorganize all of her individual packets of Doritos into clear acrylic containers exactly. and you're like what happened it, it started as work and then it spiraled <laughs> I'm that's this is TikTok's fault it's really hard it's so hard for us to have clear work-life balance separation because our work is We're, just it's on entrepreneurs now and so uh, look yeah um I'm that's sorry. real that's very real okay um, we can i guess move on move on to the next question how do you think the bachelor and other reality dating shows impact our expectations of romance like have you thought about this all at all like how do dating shows impact the way that we all interact with dating and courtship rituals or the way that emma and i specifically have expectations even well i expect adam to bring a rose to every date so it's awkward <laughs> no i don't feel like it's been a problem like if anything i feel like we discussed it more in the context of like fuckboy island like like do i need to be voted off or like <laughs> you know will i be mistakenly voted off um no i don't i don't feel like the bachelor's informed like too much for us um we definitely don't share those like super rigid like I've just met you and I love you so much and I must marry you and start a family with you like bachelor vibes. So I don't I think we kind of laugh at it. Yeah, I, I would I would say much the same. Um, yeah, it usually kind of provides like kind of like a counterpoint to what I think we agree is a slightly more healthy um, and, um, you know, uh, less intense, less dramatic way of going about a relationship. So so I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like anti affected it or something. It's affected it, but not in a way that like, you know, we're trying to live up or live down or live sideways to some very weird kind of contrived situations. Um, so I think it's I don't know. I'm gonna call it a big help then. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you to The Bachelor for, Point, for pointing out how healthy our own <laughs> relationship patterns are because they stand in direct contrast. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I mean, if, if you had said to me in the past, like, oh, like you never take me in a helicopter. I mean, the, I might have a different answer, but that's not generally, you know, I, of the myriad complaints I get about our dates. I don't think <laughs> I, that's not been one of them. You know, it's like well, there, was, there was no pony like, you know, to, to walk us to the table on the beach. Um it's, it's interesting because I don't know if The Bachelor has affected the way that I personally have expectations, but it does fit into like a universe of media and culture that has that has like I didn't really watch The Bachelor until I was already an adult and had my idea of what a relationship should look like. Yeah. And so mine same. is a little different, but it fits into the same narrative because I do. I'll complain like, oh, your proposal wasn't 
everything that I had dreamed of since I was a little girl. You know, I didn't want a bachelor proposal, but the bachelor proposal is in the same family as the kind of rom-coms or whatever. Like, yeah, I was going to say rom-coms, romantic, romantic <laughs> narratives writ large. Like, The Bachelor sort of takes these tropes that I think most young girls are are raised to or like told to value and then takes it to a really intense extreme. And so I think for for both of us, we weren't raised on The Bachelor per se, and especially given like its entrenchment with a sort of evangelical idea of romance. It doesn't quite fit with uh, perhaps the things we were raised to value, but like certainly it fits within the tradition of romantic narratives that that you're kind of probably spending your whole life try to, trying to untangle. Like, is yeah. this a thing that I actually want or is it a thing I've been told I should want? And then that's kind of the beauty to us of The Bachelor is that it does provide us with an opportunity to kind of look at something like the proposal, the idealization of the proposal, and to be like, well, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, this whole yeah. this whole concept is sort of ridiculous. It's hard to, like, overcome that programming, but it does make it just cartoonish enough for us. To it pretend. provides it provides like a funhouse mirror that I think can actually be helpful. Well, I think it was helpful for me personally, uh, you know, because, you know, one of Claire's, you know, comment comments or part of her commentary, you know, looking back on our, on my proposal to her was that it was, you know, th- for X, Y and Z reason, you know, it, it was kind of like there were a couple slots that it was going to have to happen in. And I, I, I because I picked the last one, it kind of had to happen then. But I think, you know, for all the the fun and the surprises that take place on the show, you know, it is actually the proposals. Like, I mean, it's only dramatic insofar as like is is the the main character <laughs> um, going to propose or not. But once once they've like kicked that first person out, you know what's going to happen. Like, it's a scheduled thing. They walk into like you know the middle of some dock or something, and he and he or she pulls out that gaudy ring, and you know it's it's very scheduled. So I I thank the Bachelor for that for my you know kind of maybe helping me out a little bit there <laughs> yeah in reflection like everything that i hated about the bachelor proposals i like recreated in my own life by being like we really need to just get engaged so that like we can get the rest of our life plan on track which is like you know production style uh tactics on my part here's a more fun question Adam and Greg, you've each been tasked with planning a bachelor-style one-on-one date for us, each of us. What do you plan? Well, first of all, this is such a shady question because it's Valentine's Day. So, like, this this is like you're asking, like, what am I? No, you you know that I don't really give a shit. She literally gives a shit, and she's going to be angry because I'm the least. Yeah, where's my helicopter? There's no helicopter. Someone needs to shut down the pier for for one of us to go on all of those carnival rides, or it's not really love. I mentioned the the phrase Valentine's Day yesterday about something, saying like I don't remember the context. It was important, and Emma made some comment like. Oh, what did you plan? Nothing, <laughs> which is like so. Like that's why the shady question. Um, but I feel like, hmm, bachelor uh, style the, though. This is a, this is fantasy. This isn't this isn't real. There's no expectations here. This is all in fun. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm thinking of like the dates that we've had fun on. Like they usually randomly involve some sort of like outdoors adventure. Like going up. Like we went up to some like peak in New Mexico, or like we did a bunch of hikes during like peak COVID upstate. Um, I don't, I don't think you could describe either of us as particularly outdoorsy, um, but that almost makes it more, uh, more romantic in a way. Cause like the, you, you learn the truth. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a helicopter would take us down. 
Um, <laughs> but I don't know, maybe like a hike or something to somewhere really beautiful. Um, and then dinner. I don't know. That's a classic bachelor date. That's a classic bachelor date is like a hike to a beautiful summit. And then there's a champagne picnic waiting at the top. And a helicopter. Yeah, and a helicopter to carry you off. Yeah, yeah if you add like one more hot tub, then it's like very <laughs> much a bachelor date. But then, yes, so, there, there, is a, there is a break. And then you go to a, a beautiful dinner, except if it is on The Bachelor. Unfortunately, you don't actually get to eat during dinner. You just have to, you have to stare. Share trauma. It wouldn't, we wouldn't eat at the dinner. We would discuss our trauma. Which and is right. just exactly what I did on my first date with Greg. So, yeah, it, it feels yeah. right. Except the trauma would have already been discussed on the hike because that is that is the trauma. So <laughs> I don't I, well, I don't know what we would talk about at the dinner, but I'm sure we would find something. So, yeah, yeah I'm thinking about this. And the one big handicap I have if I'm trying to recreate a bachelor style date is that I can't really put Claire into any type of like kind of automobile or helicopter because she'll get she'll get sick. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, so I, I need to kind of keep it grounded or, or keep the travel <laughs> to a minimum. So like, like like my first like idea was to like kind of and maybe this is just something I kind of like like uh, do to Claire sometimes for my amusement. Um, but like I think I would start it with something like like. All right, like you know, dress warm, and but then we go to like a like a like a ranger game. We go to like a hockey game, and like you know, I, I give you know, I like buy her a hot dog, and she she'd be happy with that. She likes that, you know, like that in the past has been enough to placate her. Like when we go to places she doesn't necessarily want to go, but then what I do is like at a at a point in time early in the game, I'd be like, let's get out of here, babe, and and then we would find the most kind of maybe we just maybe we just walk. Um, wouldn't be a helicopter, no, you know, um, nothing like that. Um, and then we go to like um, an ice skating rink, which is something I think she actually does enjoy doing. We, we'd skate a couple laps and then we kind of zoop, like right off of the ice to a table where there would be food, which as we've discussed earlier, we would not in fact eat. Um, and Claire would discuss the trauma of being at the hockey game. Um, <laughs> and, and I would, you know, nod solemnly and, um, you know, there we go. This is the most elaborate bachelor date I think I've ever heard of. Oh, wow. Um, Multi-parts. There is a version of this that is very bachelor that's like, I show up at the hockey rink and there are like three New York Rangers waiting to like teach me hockey. And then we have to like skate around. And we play one-on-one. -on -one. play a little pickup game. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so hard. I'm so bad at sports. But then we just do some romantic couple skating. That's a very bachelor date. You're really onto something. You guys are good at this. Yeah, this is good. So sweet. Also, because like it's it like reflects you, Greg, right? Like a New York sports guy. Like it's on brand. I mean, I mean, I, I think you know every date that I've planned, you know, like I you know I always put things in there for Claire, but like fundamentally, it's for me. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, I, I would want um, that part of my personality, you know, that ninety eight percent of my personality, which is solely focused on my own enjoyment. To really be just be reflected in, in and it's telling because for me I would have said like just hanging out in the street markets of Paris you know which is also a classic bachelor date um, but but you went hockey and I respect that it's honest it's gonna be really awkward when I take Emma to a Rangers game for Valentine's Day but <laughs> you hear a good idea you simply can't pass it up yeah you're like this is for you Greg. <laughs> Okay, so we we have uh, to move on to uh, to some more some more podcast adjacent questions. Do you, Adam and Greg, listen to the podcast? And if not, 
Does that make your partner sad? I feel like this is directed at me. Um, <laughs> I guess I, I was going to call it passive aggressive. But just actually, a reminder that we do not write these questions. It's just, it's just plainly aggressive. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like this is directed at me in a, in a, in a fairly aggressive way. Um, I do sporadically listen. I, I confess, you know, I mean, I, I think I listen in the way that like other people listen, which is that it kind of correlates with um, how much I'm watching the show or whether I'm like kind of tied into the narrative of the moment. So I definitely like used to listen all the time. Now, I, now if I'm like, if I happen to like drop in and like watch an episode um, and see something, I will um, pull it up and, and see how it's being received by the, you know, two preeminent um, bachelor analysts and podcasters. Um, yeah, so I, I listen sometimes. I don't know if that's a satisfying answer. Um, I, and it's generally, you know, yeah, related to what's going on, especially if something like has breached like the bachelor walls and like spilled out into the culture. And now I'm like seeing it outside of, you know, my apartment or whatever. I, I'll, I'll be like, well, I need to see, I need, I need to know, I need to see what Emma and Claire are saying about this so I can have an opinion. Do you think it makes me sad? Um, I don't think it actually makes you sad. I think you you might may, may wield it as something that might make you sad. It does not make me sad. Uh, Greg is also a content creator. Greg is a reporter, and I don't read all of his bylines. So the the less of my work he consumes, the better I feel about the state of balance in our relationship. <laughs> Well, I'll just say that I, I too felt this question was directed at me in a, a fairly aggressive way. Um, I don't regularly listen to the pod, um, partly because it's just like weird to like put it on the Sonos. Like if Emma's there, it's like she doesn't like that. But um, I, I don't know. I'm just like very removed sometimes, like from the content. So it's just like I'd rather just like talk to Emma than like listen to the pod sometimes but i do like periodically listen like greg said like if there's something big going on or if i have some free time and i do get tips so if like something perhaps was said uh, uh, about about me um or like something else that's important i you know i get you know i'll sometimes be alerted that like at you know 43 minutes and 20 <laughs> seconds i might want to listen um so like yeah i'm like i try to be supportive i don't regularly listen do I think it makes Emma sad? Like, I think she would say, no, it doesn't make her sad. But also, like, it would probably make her really happy if I did. So, like, it's sort of contributing to sadness. But it doesn't make me sad. It really, it, honestly, like, very honestly, it doesn't make me sad. The thing that is, and that was, I thought, very sweet. Because the thing that does matter to me is, like, do you take an interest in my work? Do you think what I do has value? Do you, or do you have conversations with me? Do you take what I do seriously? Yeah, well, I mean, particularly, I try to to mansplain uh, the, the economics of a podcast and all the different initiatives that Emma should be doing to, to you know, sort of affect. And we really appreciate other, it. Other venues, no, she she does not, in fact, uh, appreciate it. I do, but I, I can't control myself. I have told Claire that we should be whiteboarding. So that's your <laughs> legacy, right there. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, I'll say these like really ridiculous, like businessy things. Like you have to think big and like you're thinking too incremental. You got to like go for double, triple, not plus 10. She's like, literally stop mansplaining to me. <laughs> you don't know anything about the pod. And I'm, it's like, I don't. So then I kind of slink off, listen again in a few weeks. Yeah. I, I think my business advice is limited to 
they should pay you more. Um, in, in, <laughs> they, oh, yeah. quote unquote. They, whoever, wherever, wherever this money's coming from. <laughs> um, no, I, well, I think there's also something that I'm sure is true for both of us, Adam, which is that, you know, even when we're not listening to the podcast, like there is a form of the podcast playing always in our in our apartments um you know uh you know obviously there are conversations that take place as well but um every now and then you know claire might just pop a monologue that could easily have been on the podcast or perhaps even was on the podcast if she suspects that i didn't listen that she knows that she can kind of repurpose for conversation (laughs) purposes um so yeah so i mean i i I think i think to, to the to the person who asked the question you know, you have to bear in mind that there's it's one thing to listen to the podcast and to Emma's point before, obviously there's some type of, you know, kind of, um, you know, relationship messaging that goes with that. But, um, you know, you have to remember that Adam and I are, are kind of, we're kind of, we live in the podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. And I, I mean, I hear it being recorded a lot. Like I, I don't often hear the love to see it just like days of the week. Like Emma's often uh, in her place and I'm in mine when you're recording this, but like the rich text, but like, I know so much about what you guys think of like Miranda right now. <laughs> I could talk about Steve for, like for a while and I didn't watch one of those episodes um, or listen to the pod yet. So yeah, you if know, you listen I, I to, to that, you don't them. need to watch it. Um, it's all in there. Uh, here's a question. Is it weird to hear stories about yourselves on the podcast? Um, you know, n- not for me. I, I, I mean, generally I feel like the handful of times, unless I've missed something, um, that 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 I get you know kind of name dropped. It's usually like something that is like uh, you know kind of like a, <clears throat> a a trope story in our household. You know, it's it's like you know I'm hearing you know the take of this story for the fiftieth time. Obviously, I'm not there to kind of give the balance, perhaps, and maybe like fact check it a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, it's generally not you know the, like I'm hearing something for the first time. I'm just hearing it with um, you know like extreme. Claire point of view and not the kind of more probably Rashomon type of um, situation that it actually was. Extreme prejudice from me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Emma has been pretty good about, like, I, I was very clear, like, I'm a very private person. I don't, <laughs> don't like talk about me, but I, I guess I have to be careful about things I say sometimes knowing that they could show up. I mean, I always knew that, like, I, you know, anything could come back and like cause cancellation, but just like more broad, like, like very early on again, I think we were watching an episode together, like a friend's place. And I, it must have been a Bachelorette episode, and I was commenting on the attractiveness of some of the male contestants yeah. um, in a fairly opinionated way, trying to explain to Emma that my views were more informed than hers. <laughs> and this definitely came back on the pod. So I'm like getting texts the next day, like, oh, sounds like you think so and so is really hot. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is a little bit out of context. Yeah. I, I, I always enjoy that though. It's like when you were working at your previous job and some of your coworkers, listen to the pod and then like, you know, 24 hours after a pod would be released, I would get a text from Adam being like, wait, you said I was afraid of bees <laughs> on the podcast? And I was like, oh, I have no memory of that, but I guess it came up. <laughs> it's like a blackout. Things just are said and we resurface and yeah, hope this is why doesn't. Claire and I actually are not sad you don't listen yeah. because Claire and I, we sometimes we talk about the fact that we conduct our podcasting as though like, what would I be comfortable telling my dear friend, Claire? <laughs> <laughs> and all of you. Um, yeah, it's it's something that I've definitely had to work on over the years. Um, 
Here's a question. What are some qualities Emma and Claire have that are present in their podcast, but more of a force in daily life, other than how brilliant and and thoughtful and kind we are? Oh, you, you've stopped. <laughs> Why did you do that? You stole that from me. Um, um, wow. Um, you know, like Adam was saying before, you know, I often hear you guys podcasting um, and, you know, we'll have been through a morning with, with, with our son and Claire will been running around and she'll be like a little frazzled and you know, this and that. And then, and then she kind of, it's like, it's like, uh, like, you know, like Clark can't go into the booth and like, I'll see, I'll, I'll see her go in there to record and I'll be like, Oh man, like, like, I don't know how she's gonna record right now. And then like 30 seconds later, I hear her laughing and I can like, you know, I can like sense like the interplay between her and Emma and um and i'm like wow that's 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 really you know she's very you know resilient and like tough-minded and you know to be able to kind of go from like everything that we like deal with that sounds a little dramatic but just you know the the kind of the 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 wildness of of what can be a morning in this house right now um and then just kind of switch to focus on on work and you know obviously it sounds a lot like a lot of fun but i know how much work you guys put into this so i'm always very impressed by that i'll say that like beat that adam i I mean one thing i mean i can't beat that but one one thing i noticed about emma really early and i used to say this to you i think is that you have podcast voice so like emma just like enunciates words and like talks (laughs) in a way that is like appropriate for recording it's like she's sort of always talking like that. Like, and I'm Emma Gray. Like, it's like that's like how she talks. Um, but she also can like sort of talk about any subject that is like at all related to the pod and does it in real life. So like, and I don't communicate that way. So I'll be like, oh, how was like how was this TV show you watched? And I want like you know I can uh, concentrate for like a nine second period. It's like it was good or it was fine, but you know so and so sucked. But I'll get like a five minute debrief about like the parasocial relationships that she formed with the characters and like the, the, the deep uh, emotional residence that whatever that like squid game has or something create. And like, I, I mean, that's not even a criticism. I just think like, she's like made for this sort of like commentary and no, that's that very and voice, sweet. I'm sort of like living in a podcast. I, I think yeah, to, that is sweet. to pick up uh, on your point, Adam, I, I think, I think both of them, you know, I, I think people really, you know, underestimate, you know, everybody jokes like, oh, everybody has a podcast. So like, and yes, but like only a handful of them, you know, have kind of devoted listeners and and are, in my opinion, good, um, like this one. And I, I think, you know, even just doing this right now, like it's really difficult to, I mean, you guys both, you know, like you speak in paragraphs, um, you know, not like just, like even as I'm talking, maybe even right now, like I feel like I'm kind of like, like speeding down a street, like making turns and like, oh God, what's gonna come around that corner? I've lost my train of thought. But like you, the two of you are, are, are so kind of, you know, composed and, and and it sounds so natural, but it obviously comes with a lot of a lot of prep work. And I know you're both so kind of, you know, thoughtful about what you're saying and, you know, like both that it accurately reflects your opinion, but also how other people are gonna hear it. And that's a lot, I think, to take on. And, and I'm, again, I think that's, that's really, cool and i think it contributes to why the podcast has been you know you know so successful for a long time now that's so sweet sweet. i thought you were gonna say that i always make fun of whatever we're watching on tv um but that's even much sweeter i mean if you're asking me for you know like kind of additional you know bonus podcast ideas i mean i think you could sit um and i wouldn't uh, put this past you either but uh you definitely sit claire down for like you know 
an NFL football game or a hockey game and just have her do like a mystery science theater 3000 style commentary. And, um, you know, I, you know, might choose that, you know, over the actual commentary. I think that the world of sports commentary is due for a major disruption in the form of commentators who have no idea what's going on and are just making fun of it. Yeah, I don't know. I think that I could really do a great service (laughs) as a person with like rudimentary knowledge of sports, but a lot of feelings. So I think I could bring that to to the world of sports commentary. And on that note, I think we're going to take a quick break. And we will be back with another round of relationship questions for our lovely partners. Can you keep up? I like love it. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe. And it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some pretty delightful prices, too. 
Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, high Tyler Cameron, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. Plus, they're dedicated to really thoughtful craftsmanship that honestly stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they'll send you updates every step of the way. I have long been an article girly, like every room of my house my house, my apartment, <laughs> you can see article furniture in. Most recently, we updated our balcony, you know, just in time. It's finally balcony season yes. again, finally warming up in New York. And I have been out there with my coffee, sitting in the toady beach sand dining chair, which is a great little lounger for a small space. Again, New York City apartment. And uh, it just really, like, elevates our deck. That and the ottoman we bought to go with it, so comfortable, so chic, also can withstand a whole lot of rain. So important. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. They're having their Memorial Day sale from May 13th to May 27th, which would be the perfect time to use your store credit on top of sale prices. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. Springtime vibes are in the air, and when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out, you won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space, and even better, you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. 
Our producer, Talon, has been using Pretty Litter, and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop, how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan, and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we're back. Uh, let's dive back in. Greg and Adam, uh, this was an urgent question. Are you here for the right reasons? Uh, am I am I still here for the right reasons? I feel like I'm here. I, I feel like that that's kind of that's a question out of time in our case. Um, was I initially there for the right reasons? However, you want to interpret it. Um, yeah, sure. I was. I don't know when we met. I was like in my what was it, like 27, 28 years old, you know. Um, and I went to a party, and that's where we met. And did I go for the right reasons? I didn't want to stay in that night. Um, <laughs> Um, I was a little hungover from the <laughs> night before and then, yeah, um, I'm not sure this is answering the question, but it's, it's certainly telling a story a little bit. Um, yeah. So I decided I almost didn't go out, but I did go out and that's how I ended up meeting Claire. Um, and you know, I think I operated from a, from a good faith, uh, you know, position, um, when we first met. So I'm going to go with yes for right reasons. How's that? Wow, that was a very in-depth answer, and I support it. Um, and it perfectly just segues into our our next question. But Adam, I'll, I'll first give you a chance to just answer. Are you here for the right reasons? I'm actually just here for the followers. And now that I have the platform, uh, I, you <laughs> Adam, know, you're not supposed to we'll say see. that. That's the test. Oh my god, I haven't this watched is... enough to know. <laughs> yeah, that's very unstrategic. Oh my God. But th that was perfect, Greg. You did you did suck us right into the next question, which is how how did you meet your partner? And like what were what were your first impressions of your yeah, partner? Yeah, we, we did meet at a party. Obviously, you, yeah, you met, we met at, at a, party. a party thrown by a HuffPost colleague, and Greg was brought by a HuffPost colleague who was a good friend of his, and we just talked all night and then I gave him my number and he waited until Monday to text me. Wow. Yeah, playing games. So uh, a little more, I'll add a little detail to that um, quickly. Um, the first time I saw Claire, she was online for the bathroom. Um, and uh, I too was online for the bathroom. I was further back and I and I, I think I was like tying my own shoe. And I, I anyway, I, I think that's the reason I was at the level of kind of, I observed like, like, a, like a cute, you know, young woman with like cute shoes. I think your shoes were the first thing I noticed. And then as, as I, as I rose, I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's good all the way up. Um, <laughs> and then, and then just, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't like pounce like while we we're on the bathroom line, but then we ran into each other again, uh, as Claire noted, because we have mutual friends. And then there was a discussion that somehow landed on um, LBJ president lyndon johnson um and, and, and nixon and nixon and kind of um you know we had we, we had a uh, a mutual friend who is who's always kind of you know trying to like point out like well actually nixon did some good things like that type of argument which is a good conversation starter and it started a conversation that led to claire and i getting married um <laughs> because we were on the like listen if you're gonna do this let's talk about lbj underrated um so yeah that's how we met 
Yeah. Uh, it, it, that's why you should always defend Richard Nixon at parties. You never know what it might. Nixon stands <laughs> over here. Yeah. Emma and I actually like met over a pretty protracted period. It's actually kind of a cute story that you wouldn't expect. Um, so we met, I think, for the first time in the San Juan uh, airport waiting at a gate. Um, Emma was with a very dear friend of hers who is a, a, a mutual friend of, of both of ours uh, that I went to school with. Um, I think we were all a little bit inebriated at the time. It was like an evening flight like to get back for work on Monday. <laughs> I think you were inebriated and I was just like severely <laughs> sunburned. The sunburn was not, it, it was like worse than the drunkness though. It was like a lobster. Um, and I mean, this is like 2012. 2012. Yeah, this is a really long time ago. Um, the the funny part is that uh, I was introduced to Emma as the guy who uh, was supposed to go on a date with one of both of their mutual friends uh, like a couple weeks later. Um, that date did happen. It was like a daytime coffee date. It was like very clearly from both sides, like not a not a good romantic fit. Um, but like, I guess we were like in each other's orbit and like we, we had mutual friends who so we would occasionally see each other out. And I, I knew Emma as like, that girl's friend and like i guess because it was 2012 we were like we were, became facebook friends because that was a thing that you used to do um so for years um i sort of like saw like the goings on of like emma and like i don't know from like it, it actually just i i realized and like paid attention to like emma as like really successful and interesting like she had this podcast and she was like senior so-and-so <laughs> like putting out all this content. And it, I mean, it was also like a really dark time when something was going on, right? It was like 2016 and like Emma was writing and like posting like dark, but also really interesting stuff um, at that time. I saw that she had written a book. I don't know. She just like struck me as like interesting. Um, did not think there was any sort of like interest. I didn't even think she, we like remembered who each other were, but then like the the real story is like we remet on Hinge in like 2018 ish 19 2019 early 2019. I, I mean, so I, I usually say it was today minus six months, so I guess that <laughs> is 2021. But it, yeah, it was the calendar year was 2019, um, and and you know it was like a familiar sort of person, um, but kind of just getting to know each other for the first time then. Um, I, I I would just jump in to to, to note that you know, the takeaway from, from these two stories that Adam and I told is that I was spying Claire on a bathroom line and he was spying Emma on line period. So, you know, that, that's one way to, that's one way to, that's lines. one way to just, that's yeah, it. Lines, just lines plus, plus in our case, wait seven years and go out with their friend. That's I the, slowly, yeah. also we all met <laughs> in 2012 slowly. or we both, both of us met in 2012. Um, and then you guys just took a quick, quick little break for seven years a little bit <laughs> I, I, it, it's funny how the stories are like there's like different versions of the truthful story it's like depending on who asks i'll say like yeah we met at like a in the like san juan airport terminal or like yeah we met on hinge because like both of them are sort of true whereas you guys can be like yeah we met at a party or like we were online for the bathroom it's like there's always different versions of the same story i actually didn't know that i was online for the bathroom when because I encountered, I experienced it just as like, I got into conversation with my friend and our mutual friend, Emma, also a good friend of yours at the party who had brought Greg. And yes. a lot of our friends had met Greg already, but I hadn't. 
that was my first time meeting him. Yeah, that's the best part. Like that always makes me so happy is that I had hung out with Greg before you guys yeah. met. Greg and I once had a very fun night in which we drank a lot of wine and went to flex <laughs> muscles at like 11 p.m. <laughs> yeah, so I was obviously, I was 24 and I was like so desperate to be in a relationship because I came from the kind of family where everyone met their husband or wife in college and everyone was getting a little worried about me. And um, <laughs> and so as soon as like we like started texting, I was very on board. I was like, this guy, he gets me. We have the same sense of humor, similar careers. He's cute. Like, sign me up. Um, so I want to ask this because it's a fun question. What was your most awkward date with your partner? If you, I have a, I have a story for this I want to tell. Do you, do you wanna, remember? I, or do you have the same one in mind? Does it involve a, a certain film about the American use of torture in the, the post 9-11 period? No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We have different memories. It well, so our like. We, we both oppose it, to be clear. <laughs> our second date was on New Year's Eve because we met at a holiday party. So this was our second date. And going out to dinner on New Year's Eve is sort of fraught in New York. And Greg was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, we're going to go get tacos at this great restaurant downstairs from my apartment, which was actually a really nice Mexican restaurant. And they had a prefix menu, tapas, I guess. And we, uh, I was really nervous. I was like, this is New Year's Eve. It's prefix. This is going to be really expensive. But it was my second date. He seemed to feel really good about it. And I was like, sure. And we had a few margaritas. We were having fun. And then the check came and we realized that he had thought that the prefix price was like a, a two-person price and it was the individual price. And so there was this like panicked moment with the check. And I felt awful because I was like, I don't like, I didn't sign up to pay for this, but also I don't want him to have to pay twice as much as he expected. And he was like, no, no, I've, I've got it. And then we went in a cab to his friend's New Year's Eve party where I immediately spilled a drink on the shoe of a friend that I was just meeting for the first time. And I was like, this is this is probably, this is it for me. I'm, there's no coming back from this. And that, that still brings Claire trauma. Like, I have heard the shoe story, like, haunts her. <laughs> Every time I interact with this person now, I'm like, they're thinking about the shoe that I ruined in 2012. Um, yeah, no, that's all true. Um, that happened. I, 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 the way I recall though, was more like, like the terror was resided silently within me and I just put my credit card down and, and then I told, I told you about it afterward, but you know what? Uh, I could tell. Right. You could read it in my eyes. The, the, the thing I, I immediately thought of quickly was, it was again, an early date. And I think like zero dark 30 had, had just come out and, and, you know, there was a lot of drama around that and, and the way it told the story of how they used or didn't use torture to capture Osama bin, or rather kill Osama bin Laden. And I, I think we got into like some argument about something in the movie. And then, you know, so we're like 15, 20 minutes into this argument. And and then I and then I say something to the effect of like, you know, but, but you know, I pointed to a specific scene. I said, what about that? And, then, and Claire goes, oh, I haven't seen it. And I. <laughs> And I, I just think that uh, 
<laughs> That's the and most I, clear like, thing. <laughs> He's like, I have a very strong opinion. I've not seen this movie. I yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that really maybe I should have. Yeah, you know, it 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 told me in retrospect. You know, it told me a lot. That doesn't sound flattering, but thank you for sharing. Do you guys want to share one? I, I. So Emma and I are like the most awkward people on the earth. So I'm like. I'm kind of shocked that I can't think of a great example. Like we, I think part of this is like w- the difference between meeting in your 30s versus your 20s. Like you just have a little bit more of your shit together in terms of date planning. So all of our like our dates, like our first date was like met at a nice restaurant and sat at the bar and like it's like how much could really go that hilariously awkwardly. <laughs> But no, I disagree. I'm like sufficiently <laughs> awkward in my 30s. I just think like we just didn't really. Ha- I don't know. Like our one, our third date or something. I I took Emma to uh, like my friend's apartment, um, and like all four of my friends were going to be there. It was like a you know everyone in my life kind of thing, um, and it just was uneventful. It was like they you know everyone said like Emma's lovely. Like don't fuck it up. Um, it, it, there wasn't like a good story that came out of it. But that could have been really awkward, like if it if it had been weird. Uh, Emma, this question is for you. How did you integrate a partner into your, as Adam has pointed out, already vibrant and full life? Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that it took some negotiating because, again, I was in my thirties, and you know, I had built this this life that was very full and busy because I am an extrovert and having a relationship is something that I really wanted. But for many years, it just like wasn't working out. And so I had sort of learned to to fill any of those gaps that I felt with, you know, friends that were essentially family and like doing lots of fun New York things. And so I think when we started dating, it was about negotiating which things we wanted to share and which things we wanted to keep doing separately because both of us are And I think this is part of what made it kind of easy is that like both of us are pretty independent people who like our own space. And also like I happen to be a pretty extreme extrovert and Adam's a pretty extreme introvert. And so it was about me learning like that sometimes it's a favor to both of us if I just do the thing I want to do. And like he doesn't have to feel pressured to do that thing. And we can both sort of be our own individual people and like come together to share the things that we want, want to share. Um, And so I think in some ways it was easy. In some ways it was tough just in like the sense. And I think I can combine this with another question someone asked, which is just for us to talk about that introvert extrovert dynamic. Um, And I think the, the biggest challenge was almost like releasing each of us from, from the internal pressure. Like, that he would feel like he was disappointing me by not wanting to do something or I would feel like I was being rude, not bending over backwards to make sure that he felt included and and could come comfortably. And like that it just both of us learning like it's okay to just like go your separate ways one night and that has no bearing on whether or not your relationship is good and people, you know, recharge and and have d- very different social needs. And that doesn't mean you can't still be in a really healthy functioning relationship yeah i mean i agree i just it's it's tough like wait emma wants to do everything like it doesn't like 
if I have something with like my friends or someone who's close to me that Emma barely knows, like Emma <laughs> is eager to participate. Like she wants seven days and seven nights filled. Like she enjoys that. And I am like quite the opposite. Um, but I don't know, somehow we, we, we navigate it. I think it's just like by being open about like, like literally I'm staying home for two days and I'm not going to any of your events. Um, I, I love this one because I want to know, uh, what did you tell your friends about your partner when you met them? Oh, wow. Um, probably, I mean, it was probably something uh, fairly uh, surface level. Forgive me. You know, I'm like, you know, she's she's cute and, you know, like little brown hair with, you know, type of thing. Um, and but also, you know, just, you know, really, really, really clever and quick. And I think we'd spent a lot of that first night when we met like uh, in the kitchen of the apartment where the party was drinking mold wine. And, I, and then I would go on a tangent and be like, I never even heard of this mold wine. It's great. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. No, I, I and then like, like Claire said, we, you know, she, I think, was leaving, this was around Christmas time, and, you know, was leaving the city, you know, within a day or two or something. So we didn't see each other again after we first met. So we were texting a lot, is the point. Um, like, really long, like, pages long text. Like, like I literally, like, started writing my text replies in Notes app so I could scroll back and edit them. Um, such was the length of these of these text messages. Um so yeah, I, I think it was just be like, oh, she's like like really cute and just like really, really smart and like, you know, has a great sense of humor because like, you know, uh, there were a handful of things happening in the world at that time. I don't recall exactly, but like, you know, we were making fun of them in the same way. So we were able to kind of, you know, have almost like a, uh, like a, like a letter writing period at the onset of our relationship. So I was able to kind of get a good understanding of her personality. So I, I would, I would. Uh, yeah, I would just say to people, you know, wow, like she's so smart and 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 funny. Um, so I mean, not probably not too different from what most people say about their partners when they first meet, or at least you'd think or hope. Um, but yeah, it, it was an interesting way that I kind of came to that to that conclusion. At least I think it is. Anyway. I feel like yeah. I mean, I think I said similar things. Like she's smart and interesting and and you know and cool or than me but like i don't know emma also has like a lot of like content and like social presence so like I, some of it explained itself like as soon as i would sort of say like hey like i'm like seeing this person my <laughs> friends would tell me things about emma they're like oh like look at these things she wrote and these things she did my one of the funny stories is my um i think very early in our relationship i was like i was telling my dad that i was like seeing someone i was over at his place and he was like, oh, who? And like, he, you know, he wanted like pictures and like receipts. So I guess I pulled up her Instagram just to like show like, I don't know, like this is like the activity that's recent. And um, she had just posted, like I hadn't even seen it yet, a full post about a podcast that she was guest appearing on uh, like that day. And it was called The Guys We Fucked. <laughs> Like starring like guest guest appearance Emma Gray and my, like that's like the first thing my dad sees when he opens it so he just like looks at me and he's like hey, you do you like she's cute like okay but you know I, I mean I, I I don't think that's like what I would have led with but like people were telling me things about Emma that's so that's so sweet I think that Greg and I had something just like through our social circles that was slightly similar, which is that a lot of the people that I was hanging out with at the time already knew him because my whole social network in New York was mm -hmm. really through HuffPost. And Greg was very in at HuffPost because 
um, because he had this close friend who worked there. And so I was like G-chatting friends at work being like, a certain Mr. Greg Krieg, like, asked for my number, you know? And they were like, oh, he's great. You know, like, you're really going <laughs> to like him. Like, he's so nice. And uh, and with my other friends at home, obviously, I was describing him more specifically. But a lot of the people in my life were already, like, on on board with him. Yeah, I had a similar situation where I am friends with a good handful of people that Adam went to school with. And I remember actually when he, we first took our conversation off of Hinge and like on text, I was out wedding dress shopping for a friend of mine, the friend that had been in the San Juan airport with us and with two of her other friends who also went to college with them. So it was like really fun. I was like, oh, Adam texted, like he made this joke, like what should I text back? Yeah, I definitely was, like, just at 24, was, like, I'm always going to be alone because I never meet anyone that I like and feel comfortable with. I'm the sort of, like, I have social anxiety of the type where I really don't like spending time with most people because I feel very, like, uncomfortable being, like, at ease around them or myself. And so the thing that I was definitely just telling my friends was, like, this is the first guy since my ex that I just feel completely comfortable with. And we have, like, so much fun together. And I... I didn't really know that I could find this again. And that was like everything that my friends needed to know. At age 24. Again, I was so young. (laughs) I know, Claire, an old maid, an old maid. I mean, yeah, I was into my 30s and very panicked in some capacity after a lot of kind of failed, frustrating dating experiences. And I think my friends could just hear my sense of relief and excitement that I could meet someone that I felt a spark with and that it felt mutual and it felt easy kind of honestly from from the beginning in a way that felt felt different and in a way that I wasn't sure that I would actually ever be able to find yeah okay so next question this is hilarious this was the funniest question that we got submitted and just want to go on the record and remind everyone that like we did not write any of these I questions. I assume this was like my, my best friend or something. <laughs> I appreciate the question. It was one of our listeners <laughs> asked, why do Claire and Emma always insist they're not hot? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> this is the thing we do a lot this? on the podcast. <laughs> Wait, so I just want to be clear. Like, are people accusing you of, of being hot and you're deflecting or, or how does it come up? It's more that we'll be like, oh, this must be what it's like dating as a hot person, referring to people on reality TV or like, oh, as someone who isn't super hot, like, you know, I don't understand this dynamic. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna give two quick answers. One, I think is like the, like the actual, what I think is actually going on inside your head, which is that you view the people on, on this television program as, as like they're TV people. They're like, I don't want to say weirdly. They're they're specifically they have a specific type of look, and and I think the two of you don't identify with that or just that mindset generally. Okay, that that's that's like the kind of scientific analysis. But I think generally speaking, you're both like very self-effacing people, and it probably makes you uncomfortable to you know to toot your own good-looking horns. Um, 
Uh, yeah. As a hot person, this is something I really understand. Well, well th- that was maybe my last point. As, some, as as a hot person who's not afraid <laughs> to talk about it, um, uh, you know, I understand that. But like, you know, I'm, I'm a few years older than Claire, and I, I'm comfortable that in the next few years she's going to start, you know, um, just discussing her her good looks uh, more openly. And we're working on that. It's true that like I like maybe you just don't take these things in for our, for yourself the same way as other people. But like people are always being like, wow, Greg, he's such a hot dad lately. Look at him. He's really had a glow up. Or like at our wedding, the photographer kept talking about how good Greg looked. And like, I was like, I'm not getting this kind of feedback. So um, I have to read into that somehow. And uh, I think that like we... My theory is that, like, people have not reacted to us historically throughout our lives the way that we see hot people on TV being reacted to. So we just draw our conclusions, you know? Yeah, I mean, I always just, in the limited times I've heard that sort of thing said on a pod, it was, it always seemed like it was in the context of, like, juxtaposing with some, like, TV character. Like, I remember there was a show last summer about, like, like, they're, like, you're, like, they bring the hottest people and they're like not allowed to hook up with each other. Uh, like, too it? hot to handle. <laughs> too hot to handle. So like I remember in that episode, you both talked a lot about like, I've never had the experience of like, it's impossible not to have sex with every single person around me. So like, I, I guess like, I didn't interpret that as like, therefore my conclusion is I'm not hot. I just, but uh, yeah, I mean, I it's like, I think Greg said it. Like, I think you're also just both pretty like self-effacing and it would be on brand to like say things like that. I mean, Emma also likes to characterize herself as like a geriatric <laughs> millennial she's like a, an old is how she describes herself i'm actually younger than emma so we you know we emma you didn't by tell us you were months. a cougar by form i'm a cougar i'm a cougar just like mara except even worse because i'm oh two years God. older than her a 32 year old was recently called a cougar <laughs> recently uh for context because i know you, n- neither of you watch um yeah i think that claire is right though i think there is it, it's funny because it's not something that i noticed that we did often but I guess it is something that we've said enough times but I think it is like partly I sort of identify with the way that I felt in like Mm -hmm. middle school and high school and in my early 20s still where it's like I was never the person that felt really visible or sought after and like my identity therefore never formed around those things so it's like well that's that's how a hot person dates. And this is how me, a person that like must lead with my personality dates. And those are feel like <laughs> separate separate experiences perhaps. Yeah. I think that there's like a broad range of how we how people look and and are that, you know, is beautiful and worthy and desirable. And a very small fraction of that fits into the category of like TV, um, TV hot, like approved stamped tv hot by the various networks and platforms that make tv and most of us don't fit yeah, into that it's a very particular very particular and narrow scope and i think it is also just kind of fun for us to to point out the ways in which our own experiences seem to differ from the people that we are watching and that's just like a useful yeah. shorthand to do it um next question how do we navigate what we share about our partners and our relationships publicly? It's a good question. I think that I think that in general we try to be sensitive to things that feel 
you know, not overshare to to bring up things that feel relevant to let people in and let our audience know us, but also maintain maintain some boundaries. Like I do like to think about what Adam would be comfortable with me saying and not say anything too revealing. And then on the other hand, sometimes Claire and I just get into conversation and like we end up telling stories that involve our partners yeah. and and hardly realize that we do it. I think it's also like, it's hard for me sometimes and it's, it's gotten easier over the years. When like, when I first met Greg and started meeting his friends and family, something that Greg kind of enjoyed was if I could show that I knew him well and could kind of integrate into his social circle by participating in some team roasting of Greg because like there, it shows a certain affection and familiarity and like that's not quite the same thing as telling unflattering stories about him on a podcast. And so that's something that something that came sort of naturally to me was to joke about things that he said that I thought were silly or <laughs> a, a conflict where I was totally in the right. And like to broadcast that out to a huge audience is not quite the same thing. And I I do still work on that. That like. The context is not necessarily the right context for the kind of comment I'm making. And I should think instead about sharing things that are not about making fun of my partner <laughs> to all of our listeners. I mean, listen, if, if, if the audience um, wants those stories, embarrassing stories, and, and the audience, it, it'll help grow the audience. Um, listen, I'm, I'm all in favor. Um, I'm willing to take the hit for, you know, for the family unit. That's very generous. Uh, and that's the thing, too, that Greg has always been very understanding about it. I mean, I know I don't give you much to work with in terms in these terms, but, you know, I can I can try. <laughs> I appreciate it. So here's a question for Claire and Greg. How has it been navigating parenthood for you guys, especially, you know, we've been in a global pandemic for most of the time you've been yeah, doing it? I think that... Um, it's definitely not looked like what we expected it to look like at all. And I know a lot of people our age are in a similar situation. But um, the first year or so, I think we were just like really in the trenches. And we were both working harder than we'd ever worked in our lives, trying to balance our jobs and taking care of a, an infant. And he did start daycare in November. And we were both able to spend a little more time focusing <laughs> on work, which is been really helpful but also it just gets more complicated you know you start to get into a phase where you have more time to sit around and think about like your parenting philosophy and does it totally align with your partners and like are you definitely um making all the right decisions and so each stage like creates new difficulties but i think the most important thing that we did do really early on was just make sure that greg was just as involved as I was. And it was sort of challenging because I was breastfeeding until he was almost two years old. But in every other way, Greg was doing everything that I was doing. And he's so involved with our son and like is his favorite, like he's our son's favorite person. And just like, and that's been like such a sort of beautiful thing for us that like that there is that sense that we're a complete family unit and and that we're both completely invested in investing our time and our attention in taking care of him. 
and also other stuff, you know, personal lives, you know, that's all very important too. <laughs> all that stuff yeah, too. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I think maybe tonally this sounds different. I mean, it's very, it's very difficult. Like, I mean, you guys are, I think do a great job on the podcast of like discussing things that, you know, kind of get glossed over. And I think, um, you know, th this is one of those things where I think it's been very interesting. Just, you know, I think of late, especially there's been a lot of good writing about like what it's like to be a parent during, during the pandemic. And obviously people have lots of experiences in terms of like what your life situation is. Um, uh, so, you know, it varies. I understand that, but, uh, yeah, it's been super difficult and, but I think, you know, you know, how that relates to a relationship. Um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, I think being a parent, you know, if you take it from the perspective of a relationship, it's like a stress test on it. And, um, you know, I think like, this is not groundbreaking, but the more you communicate, it demands communication. Like when you, when you don't have a kid, like you can really not talk to each other in a meaningful way for a prolonged period of time. I'm not saying that's healthy, but you can do that and then kind of like pick up and be fine. Like when you have a kid, like you are constantly making decisions. Like it can be anything from like, what, what, what is he gonna have for lunch today? to, you know, obviously like bigger stuff, but like, I think it demands communication and I, you know, that can make things more tense at times, but I think overall it's good for the health of the relationship. I don't know if I answered the question. I don't remember exactly how the question was <laughs> phrased, but that's a, but that's- No, that, that's that was that great. That was a, okay. that was a beautiful answer. Um, I think we have one more question for the four of us and then we'll do a rapid fire round to, to finish up. What do you love most about your partner? I can go first. There are so many things I love about Adam. <laughs> um, <Very confusing. laughs> he always tells me I'm confused when I say sappy things like that, but it's true. And one of the things that I noticed about him very early on that I love about him so much is that he is the type of person who is so smart and so opinionated, but also is really, really interested in learning about new things and taking in new information and will allow his conclusions to change based on the things that he learned. And I found that immediately very, very, like it really drew me to him. And it's something that keeps me feeling that way within the relationship because we can have conversations about all sorts of things. And I can trust that although we both have a tendency to dig in our heels sometimes that we both have the the generosity to to really learn new things and take that in and i just love that about him so much adam <laughs> that's I, that's very uh it's very nice of you to say um i so emma is probably like the warmest person i've ever met um that's something not just towards me that's in like all her relationships the way even like you've listened to the way Emma like describes her old friends, you know, like random people I've never heard of in my life. Like, <laughs> oh, this is my best friend. I love her so much. And like that, they are actually like, they have a, you know, a correspondence that's been going on for 25 years. And like, she knows everyone in their family kind of thing. But, um, it's just like, it, it sort of like infuses everything she does. And like, like if I'm having, you know, if some, if I'm, there's a lot of times I just want to be alone. I'm dealing with some shit. I'm not interested. And like, outwardly what i'll say is like you know go leave me alone but what like emma's go-to is like write you a card and like show up for you and send you a babka <laughs> and like she's just like a really really warm sweet person which is very special oh that's beautiful it's true 
That's so nice. She, she actually wrote that <laughs> statement. <laughs> I, 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 I would say the same thing about Emma, honestly. it's It just radiates. Me too. Yeah. We, we love you, Emma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. I love you uh, too. I, I think my the thing I love most about Greg, aside from how much he appreciates like a strong, confident woman, um, <laughs> hot. Is, also, hot. <laughs> and, and, and hot. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's true. Um, I I think I've always really loved that that Greg is very. Um, I was going to say caring. I manifest differently um, than Emma, but. What what I always encountered in in getting to know Greg and what I see in him now with his friends and family and with and with our son is that he's just very um, patient and doesn't get defensive and you know is thinking about is thinking about everyone else and and what they like and what they need in their lives and is not like really turned in on himself. And uh, so I, I always with him feel like I'm going to be heard and, um, and that I'm going to be taken into consideration. And, and I see the way that that like allows him to connect with other people easily. And that's something that I have personally always struggled with that's not like a strength of mine and so I really appreciate it in him even though he might not think that's his like most notable quality it is maybe the one that I most look at him and I'm like he has like this beautiful thing that I that I think is really difficult to to manifest in your life and I I love that thank you um (laughs) sorry um no, it's it's funny. If you would have known me when I was like a teenager in my early twenties, I was like such a <laughs> dick. Like man. <laughs> but I'll take it. Um uh you know, I, I think and and you know, I don't wanna kind of plagiarize my my wedding vows here, but um, you know, I mean Cla- <laughs> Claire Claire is like a really deeply empathetic person and and you know, I think that term, you know, will get used a lot to describe people who are caring and care about like issues, social issues and stuff like that. Um but you know, she like she's that way when it's not convenient for her or or even to the point like when it's deeply inconvenient for her um you know whether it's you know sometimes you got you guys get you know critical feedback on the podcast and i you know i see how i mean but this you know obviously applies to both of you but obviously i'm closer to one than the other um uh in terms of you know just like you know that that you guys just like really care and and she and claire like just like really cares and she cares about how what she says and does affects other people and and you know tries to really kind of put herself in that position and i think you know i think people there are lots of folks who do that but um you know like claire does it a lot and 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 at points when like her husband for example might be like who cares what these people think you know you know does it and 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 it and you know it comes from a place of just like really really caring about like what you do and like your effect on on like the wider world outside of you know your own life in circles which is i think really difficult and, and and just you know you know more generally she's like i think we all agree about our partners that they're very deeply caring loving people so i wouldn't want to not mention that but i also just yeah i think the, the empathy part and like the hard work um you know like like you're like this podcast that we're on you guys created this like through, with a lot of hard work and care and um i think that's something that i really admire and it's really difficult I would agree. I think that is one of my favorite things about Claire 
we all love how much our partners are caring in different ways. And I think that's beautiful. Oh, and, and I, I, I forgot to mention, you Very know, sweet. she loves love. <laughs> I do love love. Um, and that's why I do what I do. Uh, on that note, we're going to try to keep this super rapid fire. So one word or phrase answers. We're going to do some some quick a lightning round to end. Everyone ready? Yes. Oh, yeah. What are your love languages? Couch. That's not a love language. <laughs> it's well, not a this love is language, a disaster. Greg. It's quality time, physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation. Words of and affirmation gifts. and gifts. M- mine is left alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's also not yeah. a love language. Oh, it's my God. It's the absence of all of those things. <laughs> you guys is, are useless. Is being- Mine's definitely yeah, words of affirmation. Uh, I think mine is is uh, words of affirmation and and quality time, although I'm willing to receive any of those things. Uh, to be honest, yeah, I'll take any of them. I'll take what I can get. Is being left alone an act of service or quality time in reverse? I think it's. I actually think Adams is acts of service. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. Time. That's what I'm getting. Uh, what bucket list items are still on your list to do together? Um, this is tough because we don't have a bucket list. Yeah, this is. I, I didn't know we get into more our, our mortality here. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I stuff. I, I can't wait to. I'm very much looking forward to uh, traveling um, together as a family of more than two. I feel like ours are are also travel. There's places that we want to go. I think we both want to go to more places in South America. Um, we want to take. Some we want to travel to parts of Mexico. Mm-hmm. I really want to go to Japan, but Adam has told me he declines to go back because he's already been there. So I guess that's not a bucket list <laughs> item we share. Once is enough. Yeah, we have a lot of Europe still to cover, and also family style vacations. So yeah, I don't. I can't really think of anything impressive to say. I mean, like definitely want to get back to traveling, but we've also done a lot of really fun trips, even like local things, like over the past few years. And it's, yeah, yeah, I don't feel like we've not. Is it a bucket list to say, like, find a home that we can live in for more than two years at a time before we have to pack up and move again? <laughs> I feel like that counts. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a yeah. good one. Okay. Uh, expand the family. Move on. What do you usually <laughs> talk about over dinner? Like, politics, errands, culture? Like, scheduling. <laughs> like, logistics. Yeah. Uh, we talk about our son and whatever kind of emotional crisis I'm having over work or whether I'm a good mom. And Greg is very, very patient about having to talk about that every two days. Uh, yeah, of course not. I mean, no, uh, no, we start off talking about our son and then we have this moment where we're like, we're having dinner, like we should talk about other stuff. And then we sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, ours, ours sort of changes depending on what's happening that day because often we've been like working in separate rooms for the whole day. And then I'm like, oh, I have this list of things. Like we got this invite, we need to talk about this. and Or I'll be having an emotional crisis. And he's like, why are you on your phone? I'm like, I'm receiving, I'm no, I'm receiving messages that are upsetting to me. And he's like, I don't understand the context of this. And then I try to explain it. So, <laughs> you know, it's quite varied. I usually start most conversations, uh, particularly when she's on the phone with what are you buying now? And it's usually a good segue. Like most of the time she is in fact buying something. But if she's not, she'll be like, no, I'm not buying anything. I'm watching a clean talk about so-and-so. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's sort of usually the rabbit hole we go down. 
Yeah, I don't want to sound like we never talk about the other things. It's just that we do actually end up talking about politics and culture and all these things all of the rest of the time. And then when yeah. we sit down for dinner, we're like, oops, we ran out of stuff. Uh, well, exactly. I feel like we're talking about culture when we're trying to decide what to watch or, or like I'm talking about the podcast or yeah. Adam's like, oh, I like found this Korean show on Netflix while you were, you know, I, I didn't see you the last couple days. and Which leads us into what shows do you guys watch together? Okay, not K-dramas because Emma's not really into that. Um, what are we watching? Oh, Somebody Somewhere currently. We watched uh, White Lotus together. We watched Hacks together. There is like, we have very different tastes in in TV in a lot of ways, but then we we have successfully found the overlap, which is like irreverent prestige drama. <laughs> that's like that's like the beautiful middle ground. I think we we're in a similar place. Yeah, who could believe it? A bunch of white people like, like <laughs> prestige dramas and comedies. Yeah, a bunch um, of white people love HBO. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm trying to, th- right. So, I mean, basically the same stuff as you guys. I'm trying to think if we've watched anything that's different. We've actually, we've turned the clocks back recently. We've been watching the sitcom Happy Endings um, just for light fun, I think. What, what's interesting that we've watched? Yeah. Well, we we just finished uh, the second season of The Great. We love The Great. We just started Station Eleven um, as well. And yeah, we we just tend to be in that, in that, overlap between shows that aren't so violent that I would have a hard time watching them to relax and shows that aren't so like vapid that he would be bored. Oh, that's our calculus too. Can I do a quick plug for if you haven't listened or if you haven't watched rather, uh, Call My Agent. Great show. Oh, we loved Call My Agent. Oh, I keep hearing that I should watch this, but I haven't watched watched it. it. Is this an ad? It's on Netflix. Yeah, this is an ad. This this podcast is sponsored by Call My Agent. We're failing at doing this rapid fire. Um, Should we end on this question? How did you get so lucky? You know, I, I think I think certainly um, I had good friends that encouraged me to go out one night when I didn't want to go out, and um, you know that was like my maybe maybe some karmic uh, kind of what's the opposite of retribution karmic <laughs> karmic reward for being such a great person. No. Um, I don't know. It's luck. So I guess by definition, it's hard to explain, but uh, I definitely feel very lucky. Yeah, I guess I was fortunate to go on a not good date with Emma's close friend and then remain single seven years later. (laughs) (laughs) The universe was at work. Yeah, the universe works in mysterious ways. Honestly, though, the root of all of this, oddly, in a twisted way, is HuffPost. Yeah, we all got this lucky we because we all HuffPost. got this lucky because we started. Claire and I started working at HuffPost at the ripe age of like twenty three. Yeah, and from that, all good things flow. So, <laughs> thank you to HuffPost. Thank you, Mother Verizon. Thank you, Mother Ariana. Yeah, and thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Greg and Adam for joining us. This was. A fun Valentine's Day experiment. Maybe next year we'll do it again. See if some of our answers have changed. And that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our wonderful guests, our partners, Adam and Greg. 
Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please follow us, rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show, especially to anyone who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clarinemmapod at gmail.com with your questions and voice memos. We might even feature you in an upcoming mailbag. You can also find us on Twitter at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at clarinemmapod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at clarinemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Emily Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. Thanks for joining us for this Valentine's Day bonus episode. Stitcher. Tito's handmade vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails. But one night, a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything this bottle knew about happy hour. From the producers of America's Favorite Vodka, it turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.